Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And I just got, ask God again that you help me to deliver this word as you put it in my heart. God, help us to receive it tonight. God, let it touch our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. A few weeks ago on a Sunday night, you may remember when I was preaching, uh, I mentioned uh, about how their scripture indicates that there are three heavens. And now Linda Weber wasn't here. Somebody must have been talking to her because she come up to me, I think, the, about a week later, and she's like, I want some scripture on these three heavens you've been talking about. <laughs> so she must have thought we was having a movie that night, so she didn't show up the, the, the here. Now, just a little joke, Linda. <laughs> You'd get that. That was a Monday night joke. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, she asked about that, and when we was talking about it, um, God began to deal with me about kind of going a little deeper with this because it is a little bit different thought. Three heavens, what do you mean, Pastor? Three heavens. And, and so for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the heavenly realm. We're gonna, I, I'm going to show you how the Bible uh, teaches about these heavens. We're going to talk about angels. We're going to talk about the demonic forces. But uh, tonight, I just want to begin by saying that there, there are, uh, when you look at the Scripture, there is indication that there's at least, if, it, if you wouldn't call it three heavens, there's three levels of, of heaven. And we, we see in our text tonight that in the book of Nehemiah, it starts like this, Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. How many knows that He is the only true and living God? He is Lord alone. First. Uh, Timothy 1.17 says, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He is the eternal King. He is immortal. He has no corruption. He has no decay. He's going to live for eternity. He, yes, He came and He sent His Son, Jesus, and Jesus come as all God, but He was all man, and as the Son of Man, He died for our sins, but God is eternal. He's immortal. He's invisible. He is the only wise God, and, and it's only He that deserves the honor and He that deserves the glory. Matter of fact, He's God alone, and, and, and He shares no glory with anyone in this earth. He shares no honor. He, he is a great God for uh, Psalms 86.10 says, For thou art great, and uh, thou doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. He is, again, we see God alone. He's, he's a great God. He's, the psalmist says, He does wondrous things. That, that word wondrous, it means He does things that is distinguished. He does great things, difficult things. But they're wonderful, but at the same time, he does what we would see as hard things. That's, that's who our God is. That's what he does. He does things that in the natural, if a, if a man tried to do it, it, it would be impossible. But how many knows the Bible says that with God, all things are possible. Luke 18, 22 says the things which are impossible with men are possible with God because he is God. And he's a great God. And, and again, he does wondrous things. And, and part of the wondrous things he does was when he created the heavens and the earth. 
It was a wondrous thing. It was an awesome thing. In, in Nehemiah 9, 6, it says, Again, thou, even thou art Lord alone, and thou hast made heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all things that are therein. That means you and I, he created us, the sea and all that is therein. Thou preservest them all, the host of heaven worships thee. What a God we serve. He made the heavens. He created the heaven of heavens with all the hosts. Now, if you look at that word host, it, it means uh, a mass of person. It's, it's an organized army. Some translations put the word host here as the stars. And, and when I look at the stars and study the stars, they are massive in number and they are well organized because God placed every star in space. Uh, oh, yes, he did. Uh, but also the word host, when you look at it many times, it refers to the angels of God. Uh, and, and when you look later on, you'll see that word host again in Nehemiah 9, verse 6, and it says, The host of heaven worships thee. All the angels of God worship him. The God that made the heavens and the heavens of heavens and, and, and created and made the stars and, and the earth and the sea and everything in it. The God that preserveth them. That, that means he keeps all those things alive. That's the God we serve. He does wondrous things. He created it all. Everything you see was created by God. And part of his creation was heaven. And when you begin to study out heaven, I'm going to show you in Scripture that there's, you could say, maybe three levels or three heavens. The first heaven is the one you see with your natural eye. It's the one that, that nobody can deny it's there because you see it. You can see it plainly. All you have to do is look up. When, when you look up, you, you see that first heaven. And, and, you know, it's, and it's, uh, it's marvelous and it's, it's wonderful when you look up at, at that heaven when you, when you begin to see the, the beauty of it. No one can say that that heaven doesn't exist. We all see it with our eyes. That's the first heaven. The second heaven is the realm you cannot see, but it is a realm where Satan and his fallen angels dwell. It is a realm in the spirit where things happen that we don't see. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 we all know it for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers against rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now you look at the word high or high places in the Greek it says above the sky. It even uses the word heavenly. There's spiritual wickedness in high places in heavenly places. When Daniel prayed for 21 days, the prayer was heard by God the first day we read in Scripture, but it took 21 days for that prayer to come to Daniel. And we read in Daniel 10, 
uh, verse 12 and 13, Daniel has a visitation of an angel, and listen what happens. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day thou didst set thy heart to understand and to chastise, uh, chasten thyself before thy God. Thy words were heard the first day, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained and he and I remained there with the king of Persia. There was a spiritual battle going on in the second heaven. Ephesians 2 2. Where in times past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So one of the names of the, of the enemy of Satan is he is called the prince of the power of the air. He, he has access to the second heaven and he has access to this world. Satan, I said it last time, he is not ruling from hell. A lot of times we like to say, devil, go back to hell where you belong. And it preaches good. And it feels good to say, devil, go back to hell where you belong. It feels good. It makes our flesh feel good to tell the devil basically to go back, you know, to go to hell, if you will. And I'm not cursing, so help me, Jesus. He's not in hell, but he's going there. Revelation 20.10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, uh, brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are, and there shall be torment day and night forever and ever. He's going there one day. But right now, it's like there's a second realm, a, a second heaven where he has authority to move from that second heaven and into this earth. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, is in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds which them that believeth not. So we see in this another name for Satan. He's called the God of this world. So he has access to the world and he has access to the heavenlies. We know he has access to the world. After all, when Adam and Eve was created and they was put in that garden, it was a beautiful place. But we know that old serpent called the devil came along and he tempted them and they fell from, from that place in the garden. And, and, and we read later on that Jesus, he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. The devil was in the earth in the wilderness tempting tempting Jesus but he didn't succeed with Jesus like he succeeded with Adam and Eve because Jesus the son of God defeated him when he took out the word the sword of his spirit and he said it is written and he defeated Satan right there in the midst of that wilderness till well Satan left him for a season we read in 1 Peter 5 8 be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He has access in this earth. Well, Pastor, but what about what about uh, the scripture that talks about the devil was cast out of heaven? I'm glad you asked. He was cast out of the third heaven. And he was cast out of that third heaven because of pride and iniquity found in his heart. We read that in Ezekiel 28, 15. We read in Isaiah 14, 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? 
How art thou cut down to the ground which dideth weaken the nations? We read that Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 10, 18, and he said unto him, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. So Jesus said he saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. But what, what, why is it then that we read about these spiritual battles going on in heaven? Why is it that we read about, you know, Satan is, you know, the prince of the power of the air? Because he has access to a second heaven. But there's coming a day he'll get even cast from that. See, because if you read Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 through 9, it says, And there was a war in heaven. This is during the tribulation. And Michael and the angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there found place anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil. And Satan which deceived the world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. During the tribulation, He's going to be cast out of heaven, and when he hits this earth, all hell is going to break, break open, if you will. Bad things are going to happen during that tribulation. But he was cast out of the third heaven, and during the tribulation, he'll be cast out of the second heaven. The third heaven is where God dwells. It's where he rules and he reigns. And you say, I, I don't know, Pastor, you might be stretching it, but if you look at what Paul said, this, this concludes that if he calls on a third heaven, then there must be a first and there must be a second. For he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 2, I knew a man is Christ above four, 14 years ago, whether in body I cannot tell or whether out of body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one, he was caught up to the third heaven. That's where God dwells. Maybe it's levels, I don't know. You know, a first heaven, but, but I'm telling you that God dwells in heaven and it, it, in the scripture, Paul calls it the third heaven. When Stephen is about to be martyred for his faith in Christ, the Bible says, and behold, in Acts 7.56, it said, and Stephen says, behold, I see the heavens open. He doesn't say, I see the heaven open. I see the heavens open, and I see the Son of Man, and he's standing on the right hand of God. He didn't just see a heaven open. He saw the heavens open more than once, and he sees Jesus. And Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. This is one place we read in Scripture that Jesus stands up. And, and I begin to study that out a little bit. You know, I know that Jesus sat down because uh, his work was finished when he hung on the cross. He said, it is finished. He finished his work. What do we do after our work's done? We sit down. So I understand that. So why is Jesus standing? Most commentaries says he's showing Stephen, I'm about to welcome you in. I'm standing up in heaven to welcome you in to this kingdom. Oh, <laughs> help me, Jesus. What do we do when someone comes to our house? Do we stay seated? You, you rude if you do, unless they're real close. Come on in. We just sit there, but most of the time we get up. We answer the door. We stand up. And I'm telling you that Christ stood up 
which Stephen was about to enter into heaven. That's good news for us. Something happens when, when, when we die and we move from this place to, to another place. We go to heaven. Jesus stands up and welcomes us. But thank God that we can stand on that tonight. So we see three heavens, really, or at least three levels. The one you can see, the one where warfare takes place, the one that one day Jesus is going to welcome us in. Ooh, that ought to make somebody excited tonight. We're going to live with Christ for eternity if we receive him as Lord and Savior. Now, we'll talk about this second, third heaven in more detail in the next few weeks, but I want to go back to the first heaven for a few minutes because when I was studying this, God put something on my heart. And, and you know, I, I, I struggled after I started getting into this. I'm like, I... One thing you'll find out about me, I want to always give a message to help somebody. I, one reason I don't preach a lot on money is because I, I'm afraid that's going to be the, uh, Sunday that somebody comes and they need to get saved and they're hearing a preacher preach about money. So I struggle with that and there's a place for that. But I'm always looking, you know, God, give me an opportunity to help somebody. So, so. You might be saying, I, this three heavens is interesting, but I need some help tonight over something I'm dealing with. Now it's your turn. I want to talk about this first heaven. God created it. It was a wondrous work when he created it. When I study heaven and, and how precise everything functions and how it's laid out, the only way I can explain it, man, what a God we serve. It's such a creative design. Hebrews 10.1 declares this, And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hand. God, his hand, it's the work of his hand when we look up at the heavens. It's the work of God's hand. Everything we see in the heavens is the work of his hand. Genesis 1, 16 and 18, we read how he began to create it. And it said, and God made two great lights and a greater light to rule by day and the lesser light to rule by night. He made the stars also and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. He created the, the heavens. He created the sun. If the Bible says he created that sun to be ruler by day and that moon by night and he created the stars. It was awesome. It was so good that this almighty God, when he done it, he sat back and said, oh man, that is good. You ever, now us preachers, and I can't say, you know, I don't want to brag on myself, but sometimes when God gives me a word, I say, oh, that's good. You know, like Brother Donald, I thought that was, you know, he talked about, hey, the biggest thing on the earth, God's able to take it out of your way if you have enough faith in, in, in praying. You can move mountains, whatever it be. I was like, man, that's good. It must have been something that the Almighty God to look back at the heavens and the earth and saw that it was good. It was good. Have you ever seen a sunrise, a sunset? 
One of the most beautiful sunsets I ever saw was when I, me and my wife went on our cruise on our honeymoon. And it was we was out on that balcony and that water was crystal blue. The weather was perfect and that sun began to come down and, and set on that water. And it, it was beautiful. And I, I put Marisol out there and I said, let me take your picture with that sun behind you. And I, I being all clever and being all romantic, I, I wrote on Facebook. I, I said, oh, isn't, isn't this a beautiful picture? And I said, and also check out that sunset. <laughs> but it was beautiful. Maybe you've seen some sunsets like that or some sunrises. God created that. God created that big, beautiful sun. It's the heart of the solar system. It's roughly 109 times the diameter of the earth. It is said that you can fit about one million earths in the sun itself. The core, the core temperature of the sun is around 27, uh, let's see, would that be uh, 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. It is placed perfectly by God. If, if it moved just a little bit, a fraction toward the earth, the oceans would boil up and dry up and we would all burn up and and. This place would be nothing but a desert. If it moved a fraction away, the, the earth moved a fraction away from the sun, it, it, it is said that the earth would become frozen like a big snowball and all of us would die. But God placed that sun at the perfect place. Psalm 104.19, he appointed the moon for a season. For, for season. The sun, he, he said, you're going to know when to go down. The sun knoweth his going down. God did that. God created the sun and the moon, and he gave them a purpose. The earth orbits around the sun, but the moon orbits around the earth. It was a wondrous creation. I mean, we could go so deep in this, how amazing the heavens are and the creation that we see. They say on the clearest night, your naked eye could see about 3,000 stars. However, beyond that, there's so many stars that the science cannot tell us the exact number. They say every time they start to get close, they discover another galaxy. They, they say that there's a, a, a billions of galaxies and there's an average of 100 billion stars per galaxy. So the only way uh, that they can say is, well, there might be about, we believe there's a, a, a one sextillion stars. That's one plus 21 zero stars. But they don't know the number. They can't count them. But God can. He created every one of them. We know the scripture in Psalm 47, 4 and 5. He telleth the number of stars. He calls them all by name. God our creator, and it's the number's sextillion. I mean, that's a big number. That's And I, I went online to see if I'm saying that right. It's just like it sounds, sextillion stars. One plus 21 zeros. He's got a name for every one of them. That's the God we serve. He does wondrous things. 
What a mighty God. I could say more, but I, I want to say, switch gears here a little bit. What God done when he created heavens and the earth, again, it was wondrous. That word wondrous means great, it means distinguished, it means difficult, it means hard. It was difficult to understand. Scientists still trying to figure it out. But our God created it. And that same God we serve, when he does things, he can do things that to us it's impossible, but to him it's possible. To us it's hard, but to God nothing's too hard. The psalmist said, after he proclaimed God, counted the stars, and knows them all by name, he, this is what he says. I almost see him getting the revelation, and he says in the very next verse, see, he really gets it. We, we say, yeah, man, that's good. See, a six trillion stars, he can name them all, and maybe, maybe we can't get too excited about that. But you know what David did when he said that? He names them all, and then he goes, great is our Lord. Then he don't stop there and grow great power. My Lord, he calls every star by name. Great is our Lord and of great power. He goes, his understanding is infinite. That's how he, he sees it after he gets to revelation. He understands that it is, his understanding is limitless. It is endless. It is impossible to calculate his understanding. He has understanding like no other. No wonder he, he never shares his glory and his honor. He is God. He put it all together. It was wondrous to us. It was hard, but nothing's too hard for our God because he is a great God of great power with infinite understanding tonight. I say all that to say this, whatever we deal with in life, whatever's hard for us, whatever's impossible for us, whatever seems like this will never change for me, the devil is a liar. You serve a God that is a great God with great power, with infinite understanding. And if it can create all the heavens and create this earth, and he did, if he can do that, he can solve your problems. He can help you get your victory. You can overcome whatever you're dealing with. He can heal you. He can deliver you. He can give you victory tonight because he is God. He's able. Some of us need to get the revelation that Jeremiah got. He said, ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made. We, we need to not take that lightly. Behold, thou hast made and the earth by thy great power and thy stretched out arm, there is nothing too hard for thee. That's what we need to get a hold of. God put it on my heart to tell somebody, next time you're dealing with a hard situation, next time you're facing something that looks impossible, next time you're doubting, you need to get that revelation. You need to look up like I've been preaching on Sunday. You need to look up to the heavens and say, wow, Lord, in your great power and with your outstretched arm, with your the workmanship of your hand, you created that heaven, God. You 
those stars, a six trillion stars, and you gave them all a name. You caused that sun to come and, and that moon to come for a, to, 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 to operate our seasons and the sun knows when to, God, you've done all that. Nothing's too hard for you, Lord. You can take care of my situation. You can change my situation. God, with you, nothing is impossible. If there's anything too hard, it's not too hard for you, God. Some of us need to get that revelation by just looking up at the heavens and understanding his great power tonight. Woo, thank you, Lord. I love what Psalms 19, 1 through 6 says, and I I'm going to read the New Living Translation. It says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. Ooh, think about it. The skies display his craftsmanship. When you look up, it's, it's saying, this is his craftsmanship. This is what your God done before you was ever created. God did all this, and it just speaks of his glory. People try to some of the smartest scientists try to figure out how they, they try to get the equipment to, to count all the stars but they can't figure it out because it's just the, the bigness and the magnitude of God it is showing and proclaiming his glory right. Woo, thank you Lord verse 2 says day after day they continue to speak that's the glory of heaven those stars night after night they make him known they speak without a sound or word. They don't say anything, but, but no, make no words. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. You can't help but look up and wonder sometimes how in the world did this come into existence. I'm telling you, it came by God that is great and he's great in power and he has infinite understanding. That's how it was created. I love Oh, I love the word tonight. Whatever seems to not be working for you, God has the knowledge. Just like he had the knowledge to create the heaven and the earth, he has the knowledge to create things to work in your life. Whatever seems to not be working, God has the knowledge to fix it. Matter of fact, if you go back to Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden, it looked like it was over for them. It didn't work out for them. They get cast out of the garden. It looks bad, but before they got cast out, God had infinite knowledge. He understood I got a plan already in place. Even before the foundation of the world, even before they sinned, he had that plan in place. And he spoke it forth in Genesis 3.15. He said, hey, devil, I will put intimacy between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thy and, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It's a prophecy you understand about Jesus Christ. Jesus would come to this earth. The enemy would bruise his heel. That's the crucifixion. But in that crucifixion, Jesus would bruise his head. I like what 1 John 3, 8 says. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. But the purpose of the Son of God, you want to know his purpose? He was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Thank you, Jesus. He sent Jesus to the earth with a purpose to destroy the works of the devil. That's God's infinite wisdom and knowledge. 
But back to what I was saying, the psalmist says the heavens, it speaks about the kind of knowledge he has. It gives us a picture of the knowledge our God has. It shows us how great he is. He has a not enough knowledge to help us get to a problem. He has enough knowledge to help us get through things like the coronavirus, believe me. He can take everything that was meant for bad. That's why scripture can say that. He can turn it around for good. How does he do that? Because he's all knowing. His knowledge is infinite. That psalm continues in verse uh, 4 through 6. He said, God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. Son, I'm going to give you this home. Now this is your home, son. Don't you move no closer to this planet. This is your home. You're going to stay in that home. <laughs> son, you're going to stay right there. He gives the son a home. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of heaven and follows its course to the under, other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. God did all that. So if he can do all that, can he deliver you? Can he free you? Can he turn your situation around? Can he help you with your struggle? Is anything too hard for our God? Absolutely not. So if you ever start thinking your situation, it can't change. I don't know how this is ever going to change. It's impossible. It's too hard. Look up to the heavens and say, devil, you're alive. God can do all this. He can take care of my situation. I believe that the heavens many times gives us signs to know that God's still there and, and, and that God still is in our life and God wants to do mighty things. Right, now, now follow me here. I'm almost done. Matthew 2, 1 and 2. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the day of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men. We know the story from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. We've come to worship him. Now, we read in Numbers 24, 17, it says that there will come a star out of Jacob. They was looking for a star in heaven that, that when the star showed up, it, it was to show them that the Messiah had been born. That star in heaven was a sign that the Messiah was born. When the enemy says you can't be healed, when you can't be saved, when you can't overcome, I sometimes wonder if we ought to just find us a star in the heavens. Some might would pick the North Star. Some might would pick, pick I believe it's called Sarah's uh, uh, series, the brightest star. Or some of you might go online and order a star. You can do this. And, and they name that star after you. It's a great little gift. I probably ought to get Mary's old star. <laughs> you can buy a star. And they name that star. You can that's Mary's soul right there. You get, you get the name of that star. But I almost wonder sometimes when, when the devil says, oh, you ain't going to get your healing, you, you, you can't come out of what you in, that like the wise men 
We need to look up and find a star and say, yeah, but the star tells me that the Messiah was born. I remember the star. I bet it looked kind of like that brightest star. I bet it looked like that north star. I bet it looked like Marisol star. But I, I bet it looked like that. I, I'm just going to believe by looking at the star that Messiah, Christ, Jesus Christ, has been born. And he come to destroy the works of the devil. He come to save me and to heal me and deliver me and redeem me and reconcile me and pardon me and forgive me and justify me. He come to do all that. He come to crush the head of my enemy called Satan. The enemy says Jesus will not work for you. You need to say, devil, again, you are a liar. He will work for me because I know that the star showed up and the Messiah has come. Some of us might need to do what David did. It says in Psalm 89, 34 through 37, my covenant will I not break nor alter the things that has gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn in my holiness that I will not lie unto David. He said this, his seed shall endure forever. His throne as the sun before me, it shall be established forever as the moon. He is a faithful witness in heaven. In other times, every time you see a sunrise, in a sunset, every time you see the moon, you need to say, oh, that's a reminder that God keeps his covenant. That's a reminder that God will never break it. That he, you, God used that to tell David, I'm never going to break my covenant with you. My, I'm not going to alter my covenant with you, David. So if that's David's way of knowing God will never change his covenant. He'll always keep his covenant. When you're feeling blue and you're feeling down and you feel like, I don't know if God's ever going to move. When's my promise coming? You need to understand. You need to go find your sunset or a sunrise and say, ah, see that sun coming up? As sure as it's coming up, everything God promised me in the word, it's yay and amen. I'm telling you, came up this morning. It was a promise that it would come up and it's a promise that it'll go down and I promise you tomorrow it's going to come up again. The sun's going to come up again. I promise you that. What are you trying to say preacher? I'm trying to say sometimes when you're discouraged and you feel like giving up and you wonder where the promises of God are in the heavens and begin to get a revelation of how big he is and say, God, just as sure as the sun is setting and the sun is rising, I know that you're going to give me everything that you promised in this word. And I like the fact that he talked about the moon in those scriptures. The moon's out at night. You know what that tells me? That even in my night hours, he's promised me. Just because it's night doesn't mean that it's not coming to pass, but it is coming for he is an almighty God. I Thank you, Lord, for your heavens tonight that shows us your knowledge. It shows us your glory. And when we look up at it, God, let us look at it different. Let us get a revelation when we see a special star. Oh, that reminds me when the Messiah was born. And when we see that sunset and that sunrise and that moon begin to shine at night, oh, that reminds me of the covenant that I've made with God and it's a better covenant than the old covenant with better promises. Oh, I thank you Lord that that promise is about to come just as sure as this sun has come up. My promise is about to come in my life. If we would look at the heavens like that I wonder if faith would begin to rise and we'd start seeing God do some mighty things in our life.
Let it remind you tonight. I'm closing. Let it remind you tonight. If it, uh, I don't know if Freddie wants to come, but maybe tonight you say, Pastor, I've been dealing with something that, that for a while now, and, and my faith is stern. And, and I, I'm asking you to pray for me tonight that this promise comes to pass in my life, that it manifests. And it's going to come just like the sunrise in the morning. It's going to come. And, and maybe you, you know who you are if it's you tonight. You believe that is for you tonight. Let's all stand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your word.